皆さん、こんにちは。グリッドトークポッドキャストへようこそ。I just had to flex the fact that I can actually speak Japanese. Welcome to episode 331 of the Grid Talk podcast, and today we are here to review qualifying for the 2023 Japanese Grand Prix. My name is Louis Edwards, and joining me today we have from the Hit, A- Hit the Apex Media, Jawa. Hello. Grid Talk and Formula Talk host, Tom Downey. Hello. And another fellow Grid Talk presenter and a BTEC version of me, Away Medford. Hello. Jokes, of course. But before we get into this episode, we of course must thank our sponsor for this episode, Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wages, including live betting from your favorite casino and card games, available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use the promo code BLEAV, that's B L E A V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Jawad, today wasn't really qualifying, it was a romping. I think this is the easiest way to say it. Max Verstappen has bounced back phenomenally from Singapore. That Red Bull is working and it seems to be more dominant than what we've seen at other parts of this season. Yeah, exactly. And I was just reading a uh, tweet from Karun Chandok saying that that lap, the final lap that he did in Q3, reminiscent of Senna's Monaco lap in 88 or Lewis Hamilton's lap in Singapore 2018. It was just a phenomenal lap. And I don't want to say, I just also, because they've got a fresh Honda power unit in the back of that Red Bull this weekend as well, which would have given it the extra horsepower, but he just looked connected for the whole lap going through the tricky parts, the S's, sector one, which has been such a sore point for some drivers this weekend because the tires have really struggled through it, but he hooked it up nicely. And then to better the lap time that he did his first lap time in Q3 with 128.877. Wow. He's just, it's <laughs> to anyone who thought that, oh, after Singapore, they were gone. Here you go. Here's the emphatic statement. And they're back and in a position where they'll likely wrap up the Constructors Championship tomorrow. Yes, it is very possible for them to do so this weekend. So I think they have to outscore Mercedes by 18 points and make sure they are not outscored by Ferrari by 24 points, which allows them to wrap up the championship. But yeah, it was an absolute mega job from Verstappen today. And it was a very, yeah, it was just a sensational lap. Oh, Wayne, we'll move on to you next. McLaren wrapping up the top three with Piastri in P2 and Norris in P3. We had a bit of a a talk on our Slack channel before the qualifying started. Who was going to get that P2 slot? Was it going to be Piastri or Norris? And a lot of people, including myself, did go with Lando Norris. But it was Oscar Piastri who's gone P2. There's upgrades now onto his car, and he's right up there yet again, just like what we saw in Silverstone. It's a brilliant problem to have if you're you're McLaren, isn't it? You've got two world-class drivers, clearly. The car's working well. All they have to do is squabble between themselves. I will say, it's also, it's not a huge margin. Let's not be, let's not be making things as tenths of a second here. It's under point, it's under five tenths of a, uh, sorry, five hundredths of a second. I wouldn't be too worried of McLaren. And it looks like they've got the both, they've both got the maximum out of the car there, which is excellent. Um, 
yeah, but Piastri, honestly, it's his first, like I say, it's his first season in Formula One, and he's showing exactly why he has been hired, exactly why there's been a contract extension. It put, it sets him up in an excellent place for the race tomorrow, particularly with a resurgent Ferrari, although less so now for this weekend at least. Yeah, they, it puts him in a position where you know if Perez can't get through the Ferraris tomorrow, then. You know, the, the McLarens can use, I think for half a second a lap, is, is maybe a little bit insurmountable. It, it does put them in the ability to maybe maybe play with the strategy and and use that against Red Bull uh, in a way that maybe can they can pick up a fortuitous win. I say that, I, I think it's an option, but I don't think it's really going to happen, let's be honest. <laughs> Verstappen's, Verstappen's showed his class there and, and, just, and just laid down the yardstick, really. Yeah, he'll probably have a 30-second lead come turn two tomorrow, let's face it. He's absolutely wiping the floor, but it is incredible for McLaren. As Aston Martin is starting to falter, they are closing in rapidly on that P4 in the Constructors' Championship, which I don't think any of us would have thought of at the start of this season, given just how poor that McLaren car was. But it is now completely changed, and P2 and P3 definitely reflects that they are probably, you could probably give a good argument that they are the second best team, just in terms of general consistency on the grid right now. Tom, we'll move to you. P4, Charles Leclerc, and P6 for Carlos Sainz in the Ferrari. It did look as though they may have been a little bit closer for that battle of P2, but Charles was about a tenth off Piastri, Sainz uh, about three tenths further back. Do you think that Ferrari's opportunity is going to come in the race tomorrow to maybe get a place on that podium, or is McLaren going to be a little too far out of reach? I think Ferrari definitely got potential to get oh, one one car on the podium. I was expecting a little bit more from them today, to be honest, given obviously the win last week in, in Singapore, and then your know, signs has been signs was obviously P1 for for the last two races. Before that, I was ex- perhaps I was overhyping them in my mind. Expecting a little bit more. I think it's been perhaps a little bit of a bump back down to earth because they've been beaten. Everybody, the entire grid has it embarrassed by Max today, to be fair. But both McLaren's right up there. It, it was Ferrari just in this sort of like weird state where they have a few races where they're in absolute worldies. And then next thing you know, they're just like they're in Q3, but they're not really battling with McLaren and you know, they've been split by. I think they've got split by George Russell, I want to say, in P4. Whoever it was in P4, he, he split them. I could be completely wrong. I can't remember. I'm still quite tired, to be honest. It's it, it's just, they just, just have this really weird sort of ebb and flow to their season, or, or lack of ebb and flow, even, much like my words right now. Tomorrow, I don't know. It, it depends what happens in front of them because Max hasn't been good off the line. I should guess ahead, like McLaren's tip and Silverstone. Then Max might end up on the back foot, and then Ferrari could perhaps gain from that. We don't. I, it's, it, although it doesn't appear to be on the face of it, because we've got Max out front and then we've got the two McLarens ahead, it is fairly open tomorrow. And so that that race start that that could prove to be critical because overtaking Ram Suzuki, you've got the main fate. And don't get me wrong, it, it looks like a super fun track to drive. A lot of the drivers like it, unless someone you know makes quite a daring move, perhaps into spoon, or if you're really bold, you can go to one thirty hour or something. I'm not too sure where they would perhaps gain a place. So I think quite a lot does rest on the race start tomorrow. I'm looking forward to it, though. Mm. It is Checo, Tom Horrocks' favourite driver, Perez, who separates the two Ferraris in P5. But yeah, it is going to be quite close. And of course, we do have to remember that Checo is still in a Red Bull. He may not 
always drive like he is, but he is in the Red Bull and he definitely has a shot at the podium. And that's why I want to ask you, Jared. We saw just how effort effortlessly Max just walked away with qualifying today. But Sergio Perez, P5, seven tenths, seven, almost pushing eight tenths off the back of his teammate. And in a weekend where we're talking a lot about driver changes and driver moves, Checo still at this point of the season being the worst, <laughs> being seven, eight tenths off your teammate is not good. And it's still not <laughs> what you want to be seeing from that number two Red Bull driver. No, and I feel like we've become, I feel like I've certainly become accustomed to seeing this and I'm just accepted as being the norm that the second Red Bull driver will inevitably in qualifying be that far off the leading pace. And yeah, he's actually been in worse spots this year, as we know, and failing to make it to Q3 or out of even Q1 at times. Fifth doesn't seem too bad. I mean, you were saying earlier that in the race, certainly we'll see a possibility for him to challenge for the podium because he is in that Red Bull after all. And like, you could always go back to that old argument that qualifying's never been Checo's strong suit, even though, yeah, you're in the most dominant car on the grid, possibly of all time, if you want to go that far as well with the run that they've been on this season. But it's just, yeah, I'm consigned to that feeling of this is the norm for, for Checo and Red Bull. Not un- really underwhelming. Maybe I should be underwhelmed because you should expect both those cars at the front. You look back at the days of Sebastian Vettel and Mark Webber, they'd be constantly finishing 1-2 when they had a dominant car. Why isn't it the same for Perez? But I feel like given the fact that he's it's a bit of a stretch for whoever is in third, likes of Hamilton or Alonso, to chase him down for second in the championship. He's going to be off free this year, but you know, next year will be really telling given the fact that if teams behind Red Bull close the gap and it's a bit of a tighter challenge at the front, that's when they'll probably be sweating on that second seat and the performance coming out of it. But yeah, as far as fifth is concerned, it's better than what he has done at times this season, but it surely could be better because you've got two different teams ahead of you and in the race as well. While the Red Bull is the faster car, it's going to come down to the race craft. And even there, we've seen Perez struggle at times this year against the likes of the Ferraris and McLarens. Yeah, we've, yeah we definitely see them on multiple occasions. And if you think about a lot of people are comparing this race in Suzuka to that of Silverstone, and if you remember back to Silverstone, Checo wasn't really ever really in that running to have a good result, despite the fact that Max, even though he did get beaten off the line by the McLarens, was then had a relatively easy time of it, while Checo wasn't really someone you, you gave much thought about during that race. Owain, P7, P8, locking out the fourth row is the Mercedes. Hamilton, head of Russell, by about three tenths. Going into this, I was expecting... Mercedes to be a little bit more competitive than they were. They were looking pretty good in free practice, but something didn't quite click for them in these sessions. And there was even talk on the broadcast of them going, one of them being out in Q2, but they both made it through. And But 7th and 8th is not probably where they would have hoped to have ended up. It's not Mercedes standard, that's the thing. And it they've looked, I don't know, I didn't see free practice 3. From what I saw in free practice 2, Unless there was something dramatically different, so you have to correct me if I'm wrong. But I expected it, I'll be honest. I don't... I, I think Mercedes is... 
so something's either not clicking with the car obviously they're going to try and maximize it but i think of late we've seen apart from even the highs of um of last weekend they've just been just slightly going backwards a little bit and i think they I, I i would put forward the theory that they might have moved on to next year's car uh, by this point and they're just seeing out the year with this one um it's it's not an amazing performance and i think they're just suffering as well from the fact that we've got a resurgent ferrari mclaren has taken a clear step forward and uh, unfortunately that shuffled them down the table to this is probably I, I would put it out there that this is probably where the true pace of the car is um right now it's a decent performance by that they're both they're, they're locking out what is it the fourth row of the grid here so that's relatively useful they can maybe take advantage of some things in front but i i don't think it's a i don't think it's an amazing performance it seems a bit sort of par for the course right now but uh, for a team that's so used to winning it's got to hurt being this far down it's obviously still inside the top 10 but it's a sort of a cause for concern because at this point they're going to be picking up sort of four or five points maybe 10 total assuming they finish where they start but yeah i don't think it's an amazing performance from mercedes but i yeah that's i i think it's, it's below what they can do but I, I think it's probably their true performance at this point yeah unfortunately we have to look at singapore as like this mega anomaly when you take the red bulls out of the equation it it does boost Mercedes standing within how they stand against the likes of the Ferraris and the McLarens. And I think for a lot of teams and so a few drivers, this has been a bit of a slap back to reality. And unfortunately, I think that's hit Mercedes probably more than any of the other front runners. Um, P9 then, Tom, is the homeboy, Yuki Sonoda. His teammates, however, temporary teammates, as has now been officially confirmed, Liam Lawson in P11. Now, apart from their qualifying results, which for AlphaTauri this season have been good, I think it is time that we do talk about their lineup for next season, which has been confirmed very early this morning that it will be Yuki Tsunoda and Daniel Ricciardo. First, I think, question I have for you, Tom, is was that the right choice? No. And yeah, I'll tell you again. No, no, no. Oh, boy. Here we go. And I'm aware that we have an Australian on this show. I would love you, mate, but you might want to clean your head off. Danny Rick should not be anywhere near an F1 race seat. He is, he got found out really when he joined McLaren. He did all right at Renault and then got the pound signs and then absolutely dropped it. He got absolutely slapped about by Lando for two seasons and left a shadow of his former self. He then joined Red Bull as a media personality. And it's, and don't get me wrong, he's wicked for the team. He's great for F1. And he, and it's good to have him around, but he is not fit to be in a race seat. I'm not saying that he shouldn't have replaced De Vries because De Vries was absolutely awful, bless him. But Danny Rick, if this would have been, even if this would have been like the Renault year of Danny Rick, I would have been able to understand why. What we saw from him that the season was kind of, yes, oh, when did he win the next year? Whatever. That's only because Hamilton and Max got a bit rompy at turn one, basically. So if you look at how many times he was knocked out in Q one, knocked out in Q two, got lapped by his teammate, all the rest of it, it's yeah, it, it's yeah, it's just I really feel for Liam Lawson because he has proved over the last sort of three, four races that he is a quality driver and he is the real deal. He came into that seat midway through that Zandvoort weekend when it was absolutely bucketing down with rain and. He kept the car on the circuit in those conditions, which at a difficult circuit like Zanvor, 
or you can ask for. And the other thing I want to say about Danny Rick on that instance is, I know he's out injured, but a driver who has done 200-something Grand Prix, you wouldn't expect them to make such a rookie error like he did in Zambor that led to a broken hand in the first place. I know he was trying to take avoiding action, but if, if there are double wave yellows because there's been an incident in front of you, you need to have your wits about you. And he didn't. And look what happens. I know that sounds harsh, but that's what it is. So, yeah. So, I I, I feel for, for Liam Lawson. Also, the other thing you've got to, you've got to ask yourself about Alpha Tauri is this is, at the moment anyway, the Red Bull Junior team with that young up-and-coming driver like Daniel Ricciardo. They've got... Yuki in there for what a fourth season now he's been in that seat since 2021 you you have to ask yourself are they actually a Red Bull Junior team are they just an affiliate team by this point there's the whole rumour that they're not going to be that they might be Andretti there might be something completely separate next year so that seems just in a weird state at the minute with some fans tasked retiring at the end of the year it's just yeah it's odd yeah, there's a lot. It, it, there is quite a lot to unpack with this with this announcement. I'm sure you'll be talking more on Formula Talk about the sort of the Red Bull Juniors and where they currently stand. But we may as well ask the Aussie how he feels. You got you do have a countryman already in the in Formula One. We've already sung his praises earlier in the podcast. Oscar Piastri is doing an amazing job. So it's not like there's a desperate need for an Australian on the grid, but. Is Daniel Ricciardo still fit to be in Formula 1? Or maybe should he move on to something else, like NASCAR, maybe V8 supercars, if he just wants to see out the rest of his career? Is Formula 1 the place for him to do this? Look, it might surprise everyone that I feel more along the lines of what Tom said earlier. Yeah, he got found out at McLaren, and I thought that's it. That's him done in F1, as sad as it is, because he was for through the early days of the turbo hybrid era, the one of the strongest drivers. He certainly went over to Red Bull in his first stint and wowed everyone. And then it was just a bit confusing, but understandable why he left Red Bull with the in the first place. But it, the quote of Christian Horner back then, or what I think it was on Drive to Survive, he might have said it following the announcement that uh, Ricardo was running from a fight back then. And I still think that applies today when you think about his career tra- trajectory. And this is where with Piastri as well, I'm hoping he doesn't make any silly career decisions, but locking him down at McLaren for another three years, which I don't know if we mentioned that earlier, got announced as well. Yeah, he sh- and Alpha Tauri as well, Toro Rosso, Adidas, Hugo Boss Racing, whatever they're going to be called next year. Their purpose was to bring in new talent for Red Bull. And without going into a rant about Red Bull and their junior program and the way they treat drivers, as I'm known to do, I feel like there hasn't been any driver in recent times since Max Verstappen, really, that you were like, hang on, this kid's going to do really well. Yes, we had... Gasly and Albon, but they unfortunately couldn't deliver the goods when they're in the main team. But then there's the argument that they were undercooked anyway when they were selected for Gasly to go there after a single season at Toro Rosso. And then Albon had a year and a half. What time is that? And can any of us on the show picture Tsunoda ever being a Red Bull driver? That's the that's a dichotomy in itself that You've got this driver who's now going to be going into his fourth season with the team next year, and yet he doesn't look like someone that we can see in a Red Bull racing seat. So where does the future lie for Red Bull? So, 
Yeah, with Ricardo, it's while it's all good commercially and I'm sure the Grand Prix Corporation here is going to get a field day out of having two Aussies on the grid next year at, at Albert Park as well. I feel Lawson, he's shown enough to warrant that he needs to be given a full season because if not now, when is the question? Has he missed the boat? How would he feel after his result in Singapore, for example, getting the best result that the team's had all season to then be delivered this news? And what happens when Ricardo comes back after his injury, whether it's the next race or after that? Are they going to see decline in performance? And Ricardo, for me, has never been as, as, as good a driver as he was in the past. And this is the thing that got him caught out at McLaren as well, is the fact that technically he's not as dialed in as the likes of Lando Norris and whoever else. So how do you expect him to be developing a car if that's what the role he's going to be conducting at AlphaTauri is to help develop that car? And he's got experience and he's got the racecraft and knowledge, but the technical stuff, that's how he struggled in the McLaren. So how is he going to take AlphaTauri forward? I think having a fresh set of eyes with Lawson and Sonoda, who's gradually gotten better and better as time's gone on, they would have been my pick for next year. And sorry if that went on for a bit longer than it should have. No, it's fine. It's, it's, it's great to hear. And Wayne, finally, we need to talk about the elephant that's no longer going to be in the room, and that is Liam Lawson. A lot of F1 journos that I've seen speaking about it on Twitter have said that Lawson is signed to be a reserve driver for both AlphaTauri and Red Bull next season. That'll be the role that he has. Therefore, that would suggest that he isn't going to be taking perhaps that vacant seat, currently vacant seat at Williams next season. Has, like Jawa said, has he missed the boat or will he be banking on an opportunity maybe after next season if Daniel Ricciardo does have maybe a decline or is just not up to the task of developing that AlphaTauri? I think he's just a, he, you got to he's got to look at this as like a blessing because there was a certain amount of it where you, you, he wouldn't have expected this it's come it's the, the the cards have landed in his favor and to be fair to him despite despite his issue well despite his already he is not he's not getting into into Q3 with a to be honest he could have gone faster and that would have got him in but that's besides the point he's done pretty much everything right I think he's just come up against, unfortunately, a bit of a dead end. Not a dead end, but just as much as everything's gone right for him to get him into the seat, he's come up against the issues of the plans at, pl- uh, at play. You you can't entirely fault someone for, for gaining an injury. Yes, I think it was, silly, it was silly to have his hands on the wheel, Daniel Ricciardo, but whatever, that's happened. So it, it was fortuitous that he got the seat anyway, and he's, and he's doing everything right. I don't know what the contract situation would be for him being poached by another team, but I think that's something you've got to be wary of if you're Red Bull running that driver academy right now, because the guy looks like the real deal. He looks like the kind of guy, the, the kind of person, you know, he's like your Piastri's of the world, or or your Max Verstappen's, where they come along and they're instantly good. They just they're 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 the sort of people that we see legal disputes over, for example. So I I, I think Red Bull do have to manage this bit carefully, but I don't I don't think I think Lawson has been a bit unfortunate on the timing, but. It's not like he's done anything wrong here. I think he's taken it for all it is. And to be honest, he wouldn't be expecting to get the seat anyway if he wasn't in the car. I think he's it, it just feels more disappointing because he's got the seat in the car and and he's done so well with it. I, I think that's why we're, we're having this discussion at all. It's just because of that. If, if he'd come in and just been bang average, then I, I, I don't think this comes up. Yeah, it, it's definitely a tricky one to unpack. And to AlphaTauri, 
this we've got to remember that this probably decision wasn't made yesterday. This decision was probably made a little while ago. The contracts have taken their time to be sorted and now they are just being announced. It's rare that I think in Formula One that contracts get signed and then the next day they're announced. It, it's a more lengthy process than that. But we will go through to the second half of the Christmas now and actually get back onto the events of today. 10 and P17 for Aston Martin, Tom. Fernando Alonso maintaining his perfect streak of getting into Q3 every single race. Lance Stroll, this will be his, I think, 10th time he's missed out on Q3. It's so old. Is there a point where the writing will eventually be on the wall for Stroll? No, because it's Adam's the team. And I'm getting... How many times have I been sitting here slating Stroll? Alonso wasn't great to their brain stretch. So the Aston Martin definitely was not in a good way today. But he still, he still, yes, he stuck it through to, to Q3. Uh, Alonso just coming off very quickly and stuck it into Q3. He was on the cusp in Q1 and Q2. He did bother going out for a second one in Q3. I think it's going to be a damage limitation for them tomorrow. Lance Hall, on the other hand, what an absolute waste of space. We saw it last week you know, where he didn't even make the start of the race good. This week, he started in what I think he's P18. I'll have to double check. And if you did just tell me, apologies. I'm so a little bit tired. Um, yeah, he's he's just, how can you be an F1 for so long and still be so utterly useless? That's what I don't understand. It's just, he's just, I'm, I'm not using bad language, but he's, it's, Stroll is just, he just, oh, he's pre 17. Well done. You are qualified people, Hulkenberg, Joe Guandu, and someone who crashed in a Williams. Well done. Mind you, that would have been him and that would have been a few years ago crashing. It's just, he's just utterly useless and he can't keep living on past success. Like people go, oh, well, he got the palm position in 2020. Bro, that was three seasons ago. And that, that was in a pink Mercedes. He's got a good, you know, he's got, so he started off with a good car this year and his teammate has absolutely trounced him. And his best race is when he was still recovering from falling off his bike. So that tells you all you need to know. It's also his attitude that absolutely does my head in. Because he, he's so lackadaisical about things. He just doesn't care. He's just cut all the car, man. Or it's just to make, just shut up and drive the thing. Just get good, for God's sake. He's just useless. And I know I'm really going on him, but I don't care. Basically, don't care. He's he's just, he, he's putting Aston Martin in a bit of a predicament. We're saying, like, when's the writing on the wall? The writing's been on the wall since about 2019, I'd say. And yeah, Aston Martin, they've got the likes of Felipe Djokovic, for example, F2 champion from last year, sitting there, not even getting that much uh, free practice one time, let alone looking away near a racey. Djokovic should be in that car anyway. He's, he's F2 champ for, for a reason. He'll be on the sidelines next year because Stroll's not going to be out that seat unless he decides to try and go and be a professional tennis player or maybe join the recent Harvard's crying into their paychecks or whatever. So he's just until Alonso leaves and I don't know when Alonso will leave because he's on a multi-year contract it's just that I don't know and Stroll is just oh, it's just pathetic I don't know when Alonso is going to leave either <laughs> I don't think anyone knows I don't think even Fernando knows where he's going to leave he's like, ah, it's another season he probably will just he probably has a sign in his office that says I will leave tomorrow and he'll just always stay there the Alpines both out in Q2 Gasly 12th Ocon 14th Again, not an ideal qualifying for Alpine. We really should be expecting to see them more in that Q3 fight. 
But there's definitely opportunities for points, maybe for Gasly. He's had horrific luck for the last two races. He's not completed a single racing lap since August. And then, of course, Alonso in that Aston Martin that is just not looking that brilliant. A good start tomorrow could put him nicely in the points. Yeah, that's provided if their cars don't either trip over each other, like we've seen at points this season, or succumb to their own poor reliability they've had. I think last uh, couple of races, Monza, Singapore, obviously with Ocon, that we saw bringing out the virtual safety car with the gearbox fail. So yeah, I definitely thought in qualifying spec that a circuit that doesn't rely so much on your power unit or your engine that Alpine would probably be a bit further up. But yeah, seeing them knocked out in Q2 with their final laps nowhere near that Q3 time, I don't know whether to be disappointed or underwhelmed or just accept the fact that this is Alpine at the moment. It's mediocrity is becoming quite quite the norm there at the Enstone team, which is really sad for all the lovely people working there. But yeah, they could possibly move forward tomorrow. Can't rule that out. They've had their own terrible reliability and dramas, inter-team dramas and whatnot. So I think just bringing the cars home in one piece and whether it's in the points or not in the points is probably going to be a win for them. Yeah, it's yeah. The Singapore was not the not a great one. Of course, you have to also remember that their car can spontaneously set on fire at random intervals. Hopefully, that won't happen. Away in P13 for Alex Albon missed out on Q3 by just under a tenth of a, a second. A pretty good performance, but his teammate Logan Sargent, the only driver not confirmed for next season, crashed it on his warm-up lap. Yeah, it's not a good look. It's a difficult corner. In fairness to him. I don't know if it's off camber or on camber, but it is downhill, coming on throttle. I think he might have gone a bit too slowly before sort of spooling up onto the lap. That's what he looked like. He was going onto a flyer, and then he just, I, I think it just kicked out on him, and it started to power slide, and he couldn't collect it There's at that point. It's unfortunate. It's one of those things. It doesn't make him look good. And I... See, the thing is, I also struggled to think that he would have been any higher anyway. All he's, all, a lot of what he's done is just cost the team a big rebuild job, which, as James Wells said, in the interview on Sky is it'll be fine but obviously they, I, th- I think he alluded to it there was a the, the, the part of the reason that they don't have as many spares maybe as they would like is because of probably the crash damage sustained by Logan Sargent at various points throughout the throughout the season so it's one of those things of it's not a good look and you can imagine I imagine the pressure is going to get to him now because it, it it's only going to start to go worse is so he's going to be trying harder to, to make sure he has to have a good weekend. Every weekend becomes a critical weekend when we're looking at, at the contracts and then trying to get the sort of opinion of the team. And that just puts more pressure on and it causes things like this and it leads to even more rookie errors and very quickly you're out of F1 because of that. I, I hope that doesn't get to him because I'd like to see I'd like to see for the good of the sport really if someone like Sargent be good. But I, unfortunately I think it's, it remains to be seen whether I, I, I don't think he's in a safe seat at this point and I think that only gets harder from here. Yeah. Let's be honest, it's not easy being a rookie in Formula 1. And I've always had the opinion that you should always at least give every driver a year before you really start to judge them. But we've seen the way that the season's gone. That fact that De Vries has got the boot mid-season. Oscar Piastri has been challenging for podiums. He's been... He won... He almost won a sprint race. And then you've got Logan Sargent who has... Yet to score a point? Am I wrong? Has Sergeant scored a point this? Yes. You've got it. It's 
It is big question marks over the head of Logan Sargent. I think it's very unsurprising at this point that he is the only driver on the grid without a contract for next season. And Williams have got to do themselves a cost analysis to to figure out whether these crashes are going to be worth it. Because at the end of the day, this is what Schumacher got dumped out of Haas for. Tom, quick chat about Haas, everyone's favourite team, Haas. Kevin Magnussen out-qualified Hulkenberg again. It's quite nice to see K-Mag start to to pull his qualifying act together and start actually taking it to Hulkenberg once in a while. Yeah, K-Mag has been rather anonymous this year. And for once, he's actually out-qualifying a decent teammate. Because Hulkenberg's come in and has given him a bit of a boot-up backside. You made them realise, oh, hang on, I need to actually need to get my proverbial in order. And whilst it's not... Whilst having some not a great day at the office, let's be fair. I think they're always going to struggle on a circuit like this. It's nice to see that K Mag is getting a bit of second wind. Do I think it will mean anything like in in the long run? No, I think they, the pace only goes one way, sadly, and they haven't got very far to go tomorrow. So it's going to be a bit of a tough day at the office for them, methinks. But no, it's good to see K Mag at, at least up there and Hulk is. Holt's always been fairly, he's always been pretty good at qualifying. His race craft and obviously the whole no podium thing is a bit of a testament to that. But yeah, no, it's Haas, I, I want them to do well because I do like Haas, but that's just in this like weird transition phase a bit. Then. Yeah, there's definitely the shadow of the team that they started out with at the start of this season. It's, it's, yeah, it's not been great for their development this year, and they're definitely paying the price for that. And Jared, we will come to you last to talk about a team that, let's frankly, I think most people have just given up on. I think the team is slowly giving up on. Now for Romeo, P16, P19, Bottas outqualifying Joe by about three tenths. Both of them were came under investigation for the stewards for exceeding the maximum amount of time both of them been acquitted of that i think the fia said that they were going fast enough in the plate like they showed in areas where they could go fast enough they were so therefore they got away with it yeah i don't know if the camera quite picked up my eye roll when you said that no further action was came of that talk about alfa romeo in a second but what's the point of having these rules and i know we're talking about in the live chat as well on slack What's the point of having these rules if they're not going to enforce them or do anything about them? Or And now apparently they were going quick enough to warrant not uh, getting a penalty. It's a bit of a joke, but anyway, until something happens, an accident or something, they're not going to really do anything, are they? But yeah, for Romeo, can I just copy-paste the go-to grid talk line of, oh, they're just sitting there waiting for the Audi money to roll in? <laughs> Basically, that's their season and there's nothing really more to go into about their individual performances. Bottas did fall off his bike earlier in the day on his way to the circuit. Someone pictured, got a good picture of that. Maybe that was a, a sign of what was to come in qualifying as well with his elimination in Q1. And yeah, Joe being the last of the classified qualifiers. So yeah, I don't really see them doing anything in the race or moving forward as much. So yeah, they're just biding their time. Another day at Alfa Romeo. Yeah. I have always had a slight feeling that if the Chinese Grand Prix get cancelled every year, Joe would just keep having his contract renewed until he could finally have a home race. (laughs) All the sponsors that have backed him into the sport so far could finally have their full marketing days in Shanghai. Maybe that should be a good tactic for Joe to try and get the the Chinese Grand Prix cancelled every year and maybe 
you might stick around for a few more years. We have gone through all 20 drivers. It's time for some predictions for tomorrow's race. Owain, we'll start with you. What is going to be your podium for tomorrow's race? I thought by making a joke of being like, I don't know, Gasly for the win with Ocon in second and Bottas in third. But let's be honest, it's just going to, it's just going to be Verstappen. <laughs> it's just going to be Verstappen. But failing, getting, apart from an incredibly humiliating mechanical failure for Verstappen or, or, or a sort of an uncharacteristic crash, he's going to be in first. I'm going to go with. If I'm just going to go with the po- with the pole. Sorry, with the first three things. I don't think there's going to be a change of a change of position. I think I'm going to go Piastri second and then Nor- Norris third. Fair enough. What about you? I'm going to say Max is going to be P1, but I think the McLaren's are going to be the other way around. I think we Norris P2, and I'm back in Piastri P3. Okay, there was the theme going. Jared, are we going to break it? Yes, yeah, the top three stays as it is, as it is for me, Verstappen, Piastri and Norris and just getting excited at the fact that we might see uh, Oscar take his first podium in F1 and at a good time as well for the Australian audience. Yes, uh, it's a nice one for the Japanese audience as well. I am going to go with Verstappen to win, Lando Norris in second and Checo Perez to finish third. And then quickly wrap it up with... Bold predictions, Owain. Bold prediction. Mercedes one two, just based on tire uh, t- on 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 tire saving alone. I'm going to go with that. Fair enough, Tom. Uh, I'm going to say Stroll keeps it out the wall. <laughs> Jared. Both Alpha Tauris in the points. I think I said that last weekend as well. Go Honda Power and go Lawson. Shove it to the Red Bull hierarchs and not giving you a seat next year. Very good. I am going to go with both Williams in the points because I may be bold and also very daring with that prediction. That is the end of our show. And as ironically, this sun is now setting in the land of the rising sun. Uh, so to, does this podcast come to the end. So thank you for everyone for listening. Of course, Grid Talk is available on YouTube, where most episodes are recorded live, such as this one, as well as Amazon Fire, Spotify, uh, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Music, Verbal, and Pocket Cast. Just search for Formula One Grid Talk Podcast for all of our back catalogue of shows with previews and reactions to qualifying and race results. Of course, on YouTube as well, make sure to hit the, the bell notification when you subscribe so you actually get notified every single time that we go live. And if you do enjoy the podcast, please leave a It means a lot. Please consider supporting the channel on Patreon so we can get better mics, lights, and recording equipment for all of our hosts. And yeah, thank you just for listening. I have not done this in a long time, so I have completely forgotten the script. Plug time. Jared, let's start with you. You are from Hit the Apex, so where can people find more from you? Yeah, so the podcast is on all the good podcast platforms, your Apple and Spotify and Amazon and Google and that. There's a link on the link tree attached to it that will take you through to my profile for the Raw, the website I write for and live blog all the races for as well and other articles and Instagram and all that. Be sure to check that out. Also wearing my Grid Talk merch today as well, so time to plug that and also quickly point out that Louis your mic is very reminiscent of the trophies that they're giving to the podium uh, tomorrow so I don't know if yours is kiss activated as well but it's really funky so thanks for bringing it to the table 
I was going to do some AM, S, ASMR there, but I think that might be quite horrible for a lot of people, so I will not do it. Oh, wait, please take it away before I start. Yeah, if you do ASMR, I'm leaving immediately. No, I would, if you wanted to basically, <laughs> if, you, if you want to hear about all our shows, just make sure to follow Grid Talk, and that's at Grid Talk UK on all of the social medias with the at. Fair enough. And Tom, of course, you also pre- present Formula Talk. You nearly said prevent then. I did. Pre- <laughs> yeah, you prevent Formula Talk. Not today, Satan. No. Oh, God, this has got unhinged. Yeah. No, yeah. So I, I co-host Formula Talk alongside the Grid Talk panel, Sophia. Haven't done one for a couple of weeks. To be honest, we're both just mad busy with work and life and stuff. But yes, we cover off all things Junior City, so F2, F3, F1 Academy. You can find that anywhere. You can find Grid Talk or your socials and podcast places and all the rest of it. Yeah. Words. Words. Okay. Yeah. And if you want to find me, you can follow me on Twitter, which is at L underscore G underscore Edwards. I think that it is, is it's one configuration of that. No, it's at, at Edwards underscore L underscore G because the last one got weirdly removed from Twitter thanks to X's weird, stupid policies. Anyway, we will, of course, be back tomorrow to review the Japanese Grand Prix. So thank you very much for listening to the Grid Talk podcast presented by Bet Online. Goodbye.